Welcome to week four of our current teaching series entitled Follow Me. I pray that this has been a series that's been growing your faith. It's been helping you anchor your faith. Um, and the whole, the whole purpose behind the series is really to help you do that in a world that quite frankly doesn't want to follow Jesus. So let's kick off week four. I've got really three questions I want you to entertain before we dive into the rest of what we're going to talk about. First off, have you ever been confident in an idea? I mean, just like sold out to it only to find out <laughs> you were wrong. I mean, that can be devastating. Have you ever believed something? Like you really bought into it. You believed that you were living it, right? It was maybe even affecting the way you live only to discover it was a lie. I mean, look, I was taught that if something sounds too good to be true, <laughs> it probably is. But lastly, have you ever been lost and you didn't know it? Well, look, recently, earlier this year, I was with our campus pastor, Wes. He's out in Ogallala. Fantastic guy. I mean, I love him. And if you're in Ogallala, you should love him as well. Uh, but look, I'm going to tell a little story about him right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull back the veil. I'm going to give you some secret stuff about him. So we landed in Houston and we rented a car and Wes was the driver. And we needed to go to a conference. But before we do that, we wanted to go eat some lunch, right? So we were going to go to a barbecue place called Killian's. And if you if you ever get to Houston, what I want you to do is I want you to go to Killian's, all right? It's incredible barbecue. So Wes said, I looked it up on my phone. I'm confident. I know where to go, right? He And he even sold it to me and the others that were with us. So I'm riding shotgun and uh, Wes takes off. And I go, Wes, you got it? He goes, yep, I got it, Jeff, no problem. And about 15 minutes into the trip, inside of me, because I've got like this internal GPS inside of me, like what way is north? I'm pretty good at that. And I started to sense like, I don't think we're going in the right direction. Like, because if we were going in the right direction, we should be starting to see the downtown of, of Houston. But it feels like we're getting farther out into the suburbs. And sure enough, we're heading northwest and the restaurant is southeast. So we're going the opposite direction. So I, I say to Wes, Wes, are you sure we're going the right direction? Yep, Jeff. Yep, we're right on. And I go, okay, five minutes goes by. Now we're about 15 minutes. And I look up on my phone and I go, dude, we're going the complete opposite direction. This is crazy. So we pull off and we turn around and we head back. We have to go through the entire metro area. Here we are lost in Houston and we didn't even know it. In this world that doesn't want to follow Jesus, I guarantee you there's many people in your life, in your family, at your work, in your neighborhood that are lost. They don't even know it. I mean, look, they're, they're believing and holding on to beliefs that are lies. They don't know it. They're heading in the wrong direction. And that direction is going to lead to pain and suffering. They don't know it, right? They're even drowning in their destructive behaviors <laughs> and they don't know it. But in the midst of all this chaos, in the midst of all this craziness, there's good news, guys. There's good news. Here's the good news. Jesus loves the lost. He died for the lost and God's got an incredibly fulfilling plan for their life that he desperately wants to activate. That's going to this, make their life come alive. But to get there, unfortunately, many people have to hit rock bottom before they actually start searching spiritually and before they wake up spiritually and start seeking after God. Like what is rock bottom? Rock bottom is God's love for us that allows us to exhaust all of our resources where we've got nowhere else to turn and the only place we can turn is up. It's amazing how many people start searching after God when all the relationships are burnt. 
when all of their finances are gone, when they feel like they're on their last legs, when they lose control. Rock bottom for a human is where we lose control and the only place we know to turn is to God. God loves you and me enough that he allows us, he doesn't want us to, he doesn't want to inflict harm and pain on you, but he allows us to hit that rock bottom so that we spiritually wake up and recognize I'm lost and I didn't even know it. Did you realize that the Apostle Paul started his ministry this way? I mean, before God changed his name to Paul, his name was Saul. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, we see that Saul was so filled with anger and hate towards Christians that he couldn't keep it on the inside. It just spewed out of his mouth. In fact, it even says that Saul wanted to kill Christians. You see, Saul had believed in a big lie, a big lie about Jesus and his followers. And Saul was on a direction with his life where he had pitted himself against the God of the universe. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now, that's a bad choice. See, Saul didn't realize, but he was on a path to hit rock bottom. Little did Saul know that all of this was going to culminate in his very next trip to hunt Christians. Let's pick it up in Acts chapter 9. All right, let's join Saul on his journey on the road to Damascus. Chapter 9, verse 3 says that as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I'm Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. And the Lord said, go to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarshish named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. I want you to notice from this passage of scripture that this rock bottom moment for Saul, it's a complete act of God's love to try to wake him up from his spiritual slumber and to make him start to search for truth. So notice God's love in action. So here's what God does. He interrupts his arrogant journey to go out and hunt down and even kill Christians. And then he, out of his love, he humbles Saul all the way to the ground. I mean, he puts him face down in the ground. And then God doesn't just leave him in this place of like, wow, what's going on? He reveals himself to Saul. He even says to him, look, I am Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. And then watch this amazing act of God's love for Saul in this rock bottom moment. He leaves Saul for a few days so that Saul can make up his own mind. Am I going to lean in 
to the things of this God that I'm being discovering and my heart and my mind's being opened up to, or am I going to continue in my rebellious ways and start hunting after Christians again? See, this is the incredible love of God at work, meeting Saul and his worst, and then calling him to follow him in that moment. See, What you need to know about Jesus is this. He's not always calling the faithful to follow him. He's not calling those who are sitting in the seats next to you in church today, listening to this message. No, he's going after the hardened heart, the person who's far away from him. He's calling them. He's ministering to them. He's saying to them, I love you. Come follow me. Why? Because I have a plan for your life, just like God has a plan for Saul's life as well. Let's jump back into the scripture and let's continue this journey. All right, so Saul's been blind now for three days. Check out what God does next. All right, guys, look, I want you to see this. Ananias is given the very same mission. God calls him to do the very same thing he calls you and me to 2,000 years later. What is that? To go into a world that doesn't want to follow God and proclaim to them or tell them the good news about Jesus. I think it's amazing that we have the same, the same mission. And that means that we probably think the same way as Ananias does as well, right? Do you think that like, if I go out there and I tell the world that God loves them and that Jesus died on the cross for them and that we should follow his ways, what do you think is going to happen? This world is probably going to push back against you, right? So we would, we would think in our hearts and our minds, God, don't you know that if I go and I do this mission, that this world, it already hates you and your ways. It's going to hate me as well. Well, look, Jesus said this in John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, remember, They hated me first. See, being a follower of Jesus in a world that doesn't means that you're probably going to be hated for your faith in one way or another. All right, I also want you to see what Saul was doing in the middle of the story. So the Bible tells us that he's now been praying. But I find that so interesting. He's now praying to the God three days ago that he hated and he was persecuting. See, I think that tells us a lot about this world that we live in. I believe that there's more people than you might think that are wrestling to find their purpose. That there's more people than you might think that are searching for the meaning of life and why they're here. I just believe that there's more people secretly praying Maybe people that are close to them don't even know it because they're ashamed or they don't want anybody to know, but they're secretly praying to God for answers to the midst of their struggles. And there are people right here at New Life who are living it. Let me introduce you to Ryan Smith. My name is Ryan Smith, and this is my transformation story. We know we went to church three, four times a week, and um, God was a huge part of our lives. The man of God that we were following, that we trusted in and uh, turned out not to be who we thought he was and he was involved in some very destructive behaviors and it tore the whole church apart my family and and, uh, I thought to myself if if this is what following God is like then I want nothing to do with it and so I ran from God so I spent the next 18 years just um, very being very promiscuous fighting a lot I used to fight all the time then uh, I went on the on the pipeline, I pipelined for 10 years and, and I met my son's mom along that road. I, I got hurt on the road and couldn't work for a while. And I got, I was hooked on painkillers, muscle relaxers, started drinking really heavily, um, which then started my 
long road of uh, 10 years of meth addiction. My son's mom told me that the world would be a better place without me in it one night. And so I decided to test her theory and uh, I tried to commit suicide. And um, I shouldn't even be alive today. The, the doctors don't know how I made it. Everything changed in my life um, when God decided to put me somewhere where I couldn't run from him anymore. And I started running to him and that was a jail cell. And uh, this lady comes by with the book cart. Out of all 70 books on this cart, right in the middle, there was a little red book sticking out just a little bit further than the rest of them. And it said on the binder, The End of Me, Jesus by Kyle Eidelman. And uh, I know now it was the Holy Spirit, but something told me grab that book. So I grabbed it and I read the first three pages of that book and I cried myself to sleep. There was a guy that I knew from my past in there and he had been in there for a while and found God again. And first things he asked me is, do you have a Bible? And I was like, no. He's like, do you want one? I said, yes. I was reading one morning about a week into this. And as I'm reading, as clear as you can hear me now, I heard God speak to me. And he said, it's okay, son, give it to me. Let me have it. And in blink of an eye, like I just seen all of my hurts, my anger, my resentment, my fear, anything that was not of God, like anything I was holding on to, even things from years in the past, like all flashed before my eyes and like in an instant, the desire to want to use or to want to do anything outside of the will of God was instantly gone and taken from me. Well, I had a choice between drug court or taking a, my charges to trial. I accepted the drug court program, uh, came to Kearney, um, got sentenced to stay at the Carney's Village Transitional Living. And um, once I was here and um, situated, I started looking for a church. My first time here would have been April of last year. So a little over a year I've been coming here now. And um, God has opened doors in my life. I have my son back in my life. I have relationships with my family and uh, I went from being this angry hateful person all the time to being someone who loves to hug people talk about Jesus and I cry sometimes so God is good I believe that I've went through everything I've went through I don't look at it as bad anymore I look at it as a blessing because now I can help others going through the same thing and and Everybody who really knows me knows like I'm the guy I walk into uh, up to a stranger and tell him Jesus loves you and just start talking to him about God because that's what we're supposed to do. And that's where my heart is. I want to help others and lead them to Christ. Jesus hasn't given up on those who oppose him, reject him, and hate him, neither can we. All right, guys, so what is it that God's trying to tell us today? Well, first off, I think it's this. Let's be more like Ananias. Like, like we both live in a world that hates God and hates God's ways, so how should we portray ourselves? Look, be gentle, be kind, be people of joy. I'm gonna tell you right now, those are three attributes that are incredibly attractive to all kinds of people. But, but secondly, be people of confidence. 
I remember like the God who lives in you is the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, and he has your back. So be confident with your faith. But I also want us to model Jesus. I want to go back to week one in this series where Jesus said, I leave the 99 and I go after the one. And when I find the one, basically I nurture them. I care for them. It even says that Jesus goes, I pick them up. I put them on my shoulders and I carry them back and I celebrate that which was lost now has been found. Let's do what Jesus does. Let's be looking for the one, the one who has wandered away in their faith, the one who is struggling in their faith, the one who's getting maybe caught up in the ways of this world, because we all know that's super easy. And look, when we find them, let's care for them. Let's be gentle and kind with them, right? Let's be with joy in our heart, leading them back into the goodness of God. Remember, when you were at your worst, Jesus gave you his very best. So I think just think that we need to be giving our very best to others. But let me just be completely transparent with you. Living in a world that doesn't want to follow Jesus means you're going to be given some tough assignments, tough assignments to stand up for your faith. Those assignments could be coming in the near future. So let's remember, like be bold, be confident, be strong in your faith, walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And remember when persecution comes, try not to take it too personal. Just remember what Jesus said. Look, look, they're not persecuting you. They're persecuting the Jesus that lives in you. All right, guys, here we are at the end of the entire four-week series of what it looks like to follow Jesus in a world that doesn't. And I just want to put a capstone on the series. and I want to end with one last scripture and a couple of thoughts to empower you to be your very best, the best version that God created you to be in this incredible world. So here's what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let me just say this to you. Seek the power of the Holy Spirit to fill your life. Seek it through prayer. Seek it as we worship. Seek the Holy Spirit through God's word. Learn who he is, right? It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who Jesus said, it's better that I go so that he would come to what? To empower you. See, God wants you to ask for the Holy Spirit in your life so he can empower you to be his witness. What does a witness do? Well, look, if you're in a court, a witness gets up on the stand and they just answer the questions and they tell people what they know. That's all they can do. They can't speculate about what they know. They just tell people what they know. And you know, when you're a witness for God, all you're doing is this. You're telling people what Jesus has done in your life. You don't have to be a Bible expert to do that. It's called your testimony. And your testimony is the most powerful thing you have. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, God wants to empower it to be a crazy, awesome weapon in this world to bring hope to people and joy to people. So wherever you go and wherever God sends you, whether that's in Nebraska, right? Or that's to the ends of the earth, wherever you are, use your testimony and tell people about what Jesus has done in your life. So let's be followers of Jesus that are confident, that are showing the love of God, and that are walking in the power of Jesus in this world that God has called us to live in. Let's be the light of Jesus in a dark world. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this whole series 
that you spoke to our lives. You went through your word and you helped us to see what it really truly looks like to be called by you, to be sent by you, what it looks like to be a follower of you. And Lord, I think the thing that excites me so much about this series is that we get to partner with you. Partner with you. like It's like you handed us the ball and you said, continue on in this mission of seeking and saving the lost. But that, Lord, what, I, what brings me great hope is that we're not alone. We're not alone in this. You've given us the Holy Spirit to empower us to, to finish and to finish strong. And so, Lord, we know this, that if you're for us, who can be against us? And if your heart breaks for the lost, may our heart break for the lost. God, would you give us the strength, the fortitude, and the wisdom to live our lives to glorify you in a world that doesn't so that we might attract more and more people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus. I pray that over this congregation. May they be fruitful and multiply in their faith. In Jesus' name, amen.